life is just way too short and it's so precious. Um, you really shouldn't put off, you know, what you really want to do. Welcome to the Sanctuary Life Podcast, where we take you through a day in the life of animal rescues and sanctuaries across the country. Whether you are an experienced sanctuary staffer, one of the countless volunteers who works so hard at sanctuaries each day, or someone who just loves animals, we hope this journey can give you a behind-the-scenes peek into just what it takes to live the sanctuary life. Now, here's your host, Brandon Feisner, co-founder of Louisville, Kentucky's Butterfly Valley Rescue and Sanctuary. Christopher Reeve, legendary American actor and activist best remembered for his portrayal of Superman, once said, A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. This week's guest certainly fits Mr. Reeves' definition of a hero. Eileen Persia, founder of the Trollhouse Animal Sanctuary in Williamstown, New Jersey, has certainly exhibited a strength to persevere and endure in her battle against cancer the last two years. In 2017, Eileen followed the story of an amazing pig named Alba who lives at New Jersey's Rancho Relaxo. Four-month-old Alba had suffered from severe trauma during her life as a test subject in a lab. Most animals are euthanized after being used as test subjects. Fortunately, that wasn't the case for Alba, who, with the exception of her scars, has put her life as a lab pig behind her as she now enjoys the lush green grass of an animal sanctuary. Alba's story inspired Eileen, who had been a vegetarian for 14 years, to instantly go vegan. That wasn't the only big change inspired by Alba's story, though. Eileen immediately began making plans to start her own animal sanctuary the Troll House Animal Sanctuary. In December of 2018, Eileen purchased a seven-acre property and began gutting it to prepare for her sanctuary. Her plans came to a screeching halt on September 3, 2020, when she was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive cancer. She felt her world crashing down around her, and she feared the worst, death. She wasn't finished remodeling the house. In fact, she hadn't even got a chance to move in and she definitely hadn't got to start the sanctuary she dreamt about. But Eileen fought hard and stayed hopeful because the animals in her care needed her. The cancer treatment was rigorous, to say the least, as she underwent six rounds of chemo, including two different chemo drugs and two other targeted chemo drugs. She then had a partial mastectomy, followed by four weeks of radiation therapy and continued targeted therapy infusions for a total of one year. Today, Eileen is happy to report she is cancer-free, and she used her setbacks to set her up for amazing success as a sanctuary. During her treatment, she planned, read, attended webinars, and found everything she could do to learn as much as possible about the animals she wanted to help. In September of 2021, she finally moved in to her sanctuary home and got started building the foundation for the Troll House Animal Sanctuary. The rest, as they say, is history. Eileen, I want to thank you so much for joining us from the very first moment that I saw your story. Uh, I knew that I absolutely had to have you uh, as a guest to talk about uh, your sanctuary life. I'm absolutely blown away by your grit and determination, despite everything that, that life has thrown at you. I know that, that we briefly touched on your story and some of the highlights that brought you to where you are today, but I can't wait to hear more of it from you. 
first, I must say that I'm absolutely that I absolutely cannot imagine all the things that that you have gone through in this battle. Uh, what would you say is the biggest takeaway from all that you've been through uh, in this battle with cancer over the last couple of years? So first of all, I want to thank you for having me. I am honored. Um, and I just, I think this is really awesome what you're doing with the podcast and all. Um, but the biggest takeaway I would say is life is just way too short and it's so precious. Um, you really shouldn't put off, you know, what you really want to do. Um, but for me personally, prior to having cancer, um, and going through that whole thing, I was really depressed, um, actually suicidal at some times. Um, so it was, you know, crazy to me that, um, you know, I went from wanting to die to fighting to stay alive. So that kind of put my whole perspective on life, um, I guess, back on course. Um, I feel like I'm more in tune with my emotions. Like, not that I'm a cold person, but I kind of always held my emotions, you know, inside. Like, I never really let anybody know, like, what was going on or anything. And now I kind of allow myself to feel emotions now. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, that life is just, it's too short. It can be taken from you, like, you know, in the blink of an eye. So just live what you know you feel as though your life should be doing like you know what you should be doing in your life yes and and i love to hear kind of that journey of of like you said going from wanting to die to fighting to live and i think that's a a incredible story that really has from what we from what i've seen and everything that that kind of in my research about your sanctuary and all of that really has helped you um set yourselves up to do something incredibly special for these animals and and for yourself and for the others that that learn your story and um starting all the way back at the beginning though what was it about Alba's story at Rancho Relaxa that was so inspiring to you and kind of gave you that push to start your own sanctuary? So I've always had a soft spot for pigs, but Alba in particular, um, I really had never known that they used pigs, you know, for testing, you know, chemicals. And I think she was a burn test pig. I'm I'm not for sure, like, where they used chemicals and they burnt her skin. But, like, I just remember, you know, all of the, the horror and the torture that she endured at the hands of humans. And yet she still loved humans. And that was the reason why, you know, the people that had worked at the lab wanted to find her sanctuary. was because, despite all she'd been through, she was still, like, a happy-go-lucky pig that trusted humans. Like, it's just horrifying, you know, that... And a lot of animals are like that, like working with dogs and all that. They still trust humans, even after they're abused by them. It's, you know, it's just sad. But I remember like literally crying when I saw pictures of her and read her story. And then I went through everything that I had in the house at the time, like my shampoo and conditioner and makeup and um, like even toiletry. And I started looking to see if 
you know, they had been owned by companies that tested on animals or if they were tested on animals. And the majority of everything in my house was, you know, used in one way or another on animals for testing. So I just, you know, I, I really had thought that for all those years, I was doing good being a vegetarian. I just didn't know. Um, but for whatever reason, her story just clicked with me and I literally went vegan like right then and there. Um, so I kind of felt that I needed to start a sanctuary in a way to make up for all the years that I had lived blindly and kind of like make it up to the animals. Um, I also wanted to point out that there is an app that's free that you can download on your phone. It's called Cruelty Cutter. Um, and when you're shopping in the store, you can literally scan the code on the back of it and it'll tell you if it is directly tested on animals or owned by a company that tests on animals before you purchase it. Wow. That is, that is an incredible resource to have. And I know that that is something that a lot of people, when, when you talk about, um, being vegan, so many people think it is just a right, diet right, right, and don't right. understand the whole lifestyle. And, and just as much as, as the diet side of things is important for, uh, the cows and the chickens and, and the other various, and the, the pigs that, that are consumed as far as meat and, and the other byproducts of, of dairy and things like that. Um, for the rabbits and the pigs and, and the various animals that, that have these, uh, the makeups and the other, the other cosmetics and the, the shampoos and all of that tested on them. It, it is just, uh, it's a hidden world to some extent for so many people, but it's just as cruel, um, of a, uh, of a life for those animals as it is, um, for any of the others. Yeah, it's horrific. It really is. So what can you tell us about troll, the Troll House Animal Sanctuary and how things are going today now that you are almost eight months or so after you finally got to move in? I can't believe it's been eight months already. Um, I fell in love with this place like the second I saw it. I, you know, as a dog groomer, I don't make that much money. So I knew I had to look for a fixer upper. Um, in order for me to buy a house that had enough land for me to do what I wanted to do with it. So this place was like all weird and creepy. And, um, I just fell in love with it because it was, it, you know, it needed help. It needed to be rescued. And apparently I like doing those things, but, um, I'm really happy here. Um, I'm at peace and, um, it's really just, you know, a magical place. Um, but yeah, it, it's going good. Um, it's kind of like a balancing act that I'm trying to learn, um, you know, being a homeowner now and balancing a business and the sanctuary and on top of, you know, still recovering from everything that I went through last year. Um, but it is definitely good to be home. Yes. Can you tell us what different species of animal friends currently call the Troll House Animal Sanctuary home today? So um, we have a little bit of everything here, but the sanctuary itself um, is focused on smaller farm animals, um, chickens, 
ducks, potbelly pigs and goats. Um, we also have a couple stray cats that I think get dumped here because they know it's, you know, kind of a farm type setting and people just kind of drop off their cats. But, you know, they get fed here. Um, I actually feed the raccoons here on the you know, across from the property thinking or hoping that if I keep them well fed, they'll leave my animals alone. It's been going good so far though. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's one of those like make friends with your enemy. So that <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> No, um, uh, obviously life is life today for you is quite a bit different than it was when you first purchased the property and, and planned to open the sanctuary, uh, four years ago in, in 2018, have your plans or how much have your plans for the sanctuary maybe changed, uh, over that time? And what has been the biggest challenge for you personally? Oh yeah. Every Every time I think that I have my, you know, ducks in a line or my plans are all the way that it should be, um, you know, everything will get turned upside down. Um, like, for instance, I bought this adorable she shed um, that I was going to convert into a grooming salon. Um, and it was going to cost me quite a bit of money to do since I had to run heating, you know, electric plumbing, heating and air conditioning, all of that out to the shed from the house. And I had bought it um, prior to me learning that I had breast cancer. So, and you know, the township knew that that's what I wanted to do. And they knew that's why I wanted to buy this particular property because, you know, the entrance to the property has a horseshoe shaped driveway. It just fit having a business here like really, really well. But um, now the township's giving me a problem about the shed being out front. I don't know if like they just changed the rules, but because it's in front of my house, they don't want it there anymore. So now I have to move it to the backyard. But I mean, it kind of works out better because I'm gonna turn the shed now into a pig house, um, basically like a cute little home for the pigs so that they can come in and be in their stalls at nighttime. And it's actually going to work out. Hey, my dogs are walking. Sorry. It's actually going to work out much better because I'm 41 and not that that's really old, but, um, like my body definitely feels like I'm a hundred. I don't know how much longer I can groom as, you know, my main source of income. Um, so for me to put out all of that money, to get the salon set up, I feel like it would be a waste if it's something that I'm not going to do in like, you know, five years. So it kind of, um, you know, that worked out, you know, in the long run to be better for the sanctuary because now I have a cute barn for the pigs. But um, the biggest challenge really for me is it's just a lot um you know, it's to balance, like from the second I wake up to the time my eyes closed, I'm basically, you know, the animals made. Like I always joke around and say that this isn't my house, it's theirs. I'm just like the living maid. But, um, you know, trying to balance all of that and the business and, and I'm still working on the house. It's not really done. And, you know, taking care of myself 
and keeping the house clean, you know, regular maintenance stuff. It's just, it's a lot. And I'm the only one here that's doing it all. So that's been the biggest challenge. And, but, I, you know, I'm literally living the life that like eight-year-old me dreamed of. So I really can't complain. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that's something that, especially with, we have so much respect being a, a smaller sanctuary ourselves and, and seeing other sanctuaries. And uh, as much as I would love to get to the day that, that we have tons of volunteers and, and tons of, of resources and everything else that, um, it's so easy to overlook with, with these type of sanctuaries, how much work has to be put in both with the animals and with life. And, and you kind of forget that. I mean, like you said, it's at times you feel like it's the animal's world and we're just living in it. And that's really the reality of it all. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to balance meeting their needs with, with meeting your own. Um, can you tell us about what your first rescue was at, once you kind of got your feet settled there as a sanctuary and, and were able to move in? And, and since then, has there been one that, that c specifically stands out as the most memorable? So I actually, um, our first official sanctuary resident came before I even had moved in. Um, I was living with my mom until everything was finished here and I was done um, going through chemo and everything because she was helping me with the animals and the dogs and it was just easier having everybody at her house. Um, a mutual friend of mine had contacted me about a friend. No, it was a friend of her. She contacted me. They had a pig, um, potbelly pig that they had gotten when was small and, you know, cute and everything and was living in the house. And then, of course, he got too big and they moved him outside because he was destructive. And he was living in this tiny little muddy area and really wasn't getting, you know, the stimulation and the enrichment that pigs need to be happy. And it wasn't that they didn't love them, you know loved him they they did but they knew that they weren't going to be able to give him the life that he really needed so i actually ended up bringing piggy smalls in his name is piggy smalls um and he lived at my mom's house until i moved in here um let me see my most memorable rescue um you know I think because it's been such a short time, they're all pretty memorable to me, but I would say it's another potbelly pig and her name is Lil Kim. And um, another friend of mine was looking for a young piglet to become friends with her piglet because it was lonely and she's going to move her outside and she wanted her to have friends. So I told her I would help her look for one that needed a home. And I came across some ads on Craigslist of all places of like free potbelly pigs and babies for a hundred bucks. So I was like, let's go see what's going on here. And it was a literal nightmare. Um, it, it was basically hoarding or it wasn't basically, it was a hoarding case. There were like 80 plus pigs that weren't, um, sorry, I'm just checking on my dogs 
that, you know, we're just living together unaltered, all inbred, just if, if the mothers weren't, you know, nursing a litter currently, they were pregnant and like all the male pigs were fighting and there was a very old um, mule pony with overgrown hooves and there was probably like six or seven rabbit hutches just crammed full of rabbits that were obviously reproducing uncontrollably and it was just horrific like you see this stuff in pictures and videos from the comfort of your own home and but like witnessing it in real life is like just devastating so this person was selling i'm gonna say they were like three day old piglets for a hundred bucks and my friend ended up taking the smallest one because we just wanted to you know, give the one that had the least amount of, you know, hope a chance and just get, you know, get them the hell out of there. And then while I was walking around, I had noticed um, like a smaller black potbelly pig that was huddled in the corner, like just terrified. And I was like, I want her. Can I have her? And she was like, yeah. So she, you know, got me this dog crate and then some other person came and picked her up by her back legs. It was horrific. It was so traumatic and threw her in a dog crate and then basically put her in the back of my car and we left. And it was just a nightmare. I contacted people and, and filled out every, you know, complaint that I possibly could. Um, I couldn't sleep for, you know, weeks because I was like, where are all these animals going to go? You know, like no one wants these pigs or she wouldn't be having to give them away. And all sanctuaries are basically at capacity with pop alley pigs and chickens. And, you know, right now with the, the avian flu, we can't take in any of these animals. Like she had ducks and all. So I'm not really sure. Um, I haven't really gotten many updates recently on that whole case, but I do know that she actually got the mule ponies hooves taken care of as far as the pigs. I'm not really sure, but, um, so the pig that I ended up with, totally not planned, um, you know, she was traumatized. She was terrified of me and it took a while, but now she has, she's really coming out of her shell and she's actually a really funny pig. Um, she's one of those pot bellies that have like the, uh, Frenchy face, like the underbite and it's real smushy. She looks like a bat. Like she's just, she's doing really, really good. And by some miracle, uh, she wasn't pregnant, so I really lucked out there because I was afraid that she was going to be pregnant and then I would have a whole litter of pigs on my hands. So I think for right now, that's probably the most traumatic and memorable rescue that I've done. Yes, and I have to say that you might have some of the best pig names ever with Piggy Smalls <laughs> and Little Kim. That, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting that, that the plight uh, and story and heartbreak and everything that goes with many pigs uh, comes up again. This is the second episode in a row. I mean, in the last episode, we were talking about uh, horses and thoroughbreds and the race industry and kind of just talking about other other animals that at Red Feather Animal Sanctuary uh, there in North Carolina and, and many pigs come up and talking about how 90% of many pigs are rehomed before their first birthday. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that you are able to take them in and, and give them great homes and, and many pigs have, um, an incredibly huge part of our, our heart. They were our, the, the first rescues we were ever doing were pigs. Um, so I love, I love to hear the stories of them. Um, even the horrific ones, because then, you know, the, the bright spot that comes on the other side of that for them, for them to have lived through that and, and then see now what life can be like. It, it makes it just that much better. Yes, definitely. Um, what is one thing that you would say to any of our listeners that, that may see an inspiring animal rescue story online like Alba uh, was for you and, and decide to start down um, the path to open their own sanctuary? Like what is one piece of advice that you would give them? Um, so if you have no prior um, animal experience, I would say to find a local sanctuary nearby and volunteer there. Um, it's not, you know, you know, it's not a life that, um, any person can just kind of jump in and, you know, be happy with, because you kind of give up, you know, going on vacations and being, you know, spontaneous and going places because you have so much responsibility here. So I would definitely say to volunteer, um, learn as much as you can about, you know, the animals that you think that you would want to focus on if that's the way you're going to go. Um, and if it's something that, you know, you really have your heart set on, um, you can make anything happen with enough bullheadedness and, you know, stubbornness and ask for help. Um, that's another thing. Uh, reach out to other sanctuaries. Uh, most you know, people in sanctuary life, you know, are really nice and they will give you advice. And, um, that's probably the best way to go is to ask someone that's going through it. Like I still am. I mean, I'm not definitely nowhere near being a pro at this. I'm so new. So I ask, you know, without being a pest, (laughs) you know, for advice on different things about different animals. Like I, just took in goats and two older goats and then um, two bottle babies. There were orphans and I really don't have that much experience with goats. So it made me really, really nervous. So I have like a couple of friends that are in sanctuary that I can, you know, lean on or, you know, shoot a text or, you know, DM them and, and ask the questions that I need to. So that's stuff that you need to do before you jump in, you know, head first. Yes. I love the piece of advice of, of trying to find somewhere to volunteer and, and experience what the sanctuary life is before the sanctuary life is all you have yeah, of kind yeah. of, because it is not for everyone. No. Um, it's an incredibly amazing experience um, once you get into it, but it is, it is not for everyone. And like you said, there's a lot of things that, that are overlooked, the giving up vacations, the, I mean, everything that you do, um, the animals are, are at the forefront of everything that, that you do from that point on because their lives depend on you. Yes. It's basically like having children that never grow up. You know, they're your Yes. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, an- another thing that that I loved when when I was kind of researching and learning more about your sanctuary, um, and and browsing the social media pages was that you didn't just see the farmed animals. You saw dogs and you saw cats and you saw guinea pigs and you saw bearded dragons. And what is it about uh, those animals that, that kind of draws you to them? Because some of them are, are drastically different than the farmed animal species that, that you have there in a, in a rescue. So um, I think from birth, I have loved all animals. Um, and I, my mother is a huge animal lover as well. Um, I grew up, I have, well, I have horses, um, chickens and rabbits. Um, you know, my mom had me in 4-H. I, I showed, now I know 4-H is literal hell for animals. Um, but um, I actually, one of my first jobs, all of my jobs really have been, you know, have revolved around animals. I was a pet sitter back, you know, when I was before I could work legally. And my first job was at a pet store um, where they actually sold animals, unfortunately. But, you know, back then I didn't know. Um, And I um, actually, my mom ended up owning that particular pet store for a short amount of time after um, the original owner sold it. And um, so I kind of got experience with a lot of different animals. fish, reptiles, um, a lot of small, you know, just a lot of different species. And um, I had uh, taken in a bearded dragon, I think when I was like 14 or 15. Um, It was right about when I started working there. And um, he didn't, I think he basically had failure to thrive. I don't think that they had proper lighting for him or they weren't feeding him correctly. He was small and he couldn't really walk. So it was like a calcium deficiency. But anyway, um, I nursed him back to health and he ended up living to be 15 years old. Um, and his name was Spike. So I've always kind of loved bearded dragons. And then same thing kind of happened with a couple guinea pigs. Someone came into the store and they said they couldn't have the guinea pigs anymore. And, you know, I was like, fine, you know, I'll take them. And that's how I kind of became hooked on guinea pigs. But I've had rats. Um, when I was going to, I've kind of dabbled in becoming a vet tech, and that definitely was not what I wanted to do. But while I was there, um, they had like lab rabbits and stuff like that at the school that people, I guess the students could learn to give injections or whatever. And then at the end of each, semester they would you know need to find homes for these animals so I ended up adopting you know rats and rabbits from there so I've kind of always been rescuing and I kind of am incapable of focusing on one thing at once it's like my ADHD um I'm kind of all over the place so it's not like you know some people they just love dogs and their whole life is focused on dogs like I like to spread out my obsession, I guess, equally and learn about a lot of different things. Like I remember I wanted to work in a zoo and I wanted to work with a lot of different animals. So I feel like it's just the natural trajectory of my life is just to kind of be surrounded by 
a lot of different animals. And, you know, each species of animals face some sort of horror or hardship. It's like animals really don't have it easy. So when I, um, so before I actually bought this property, I actually was doing small animal rescue. Like I would rescue rabbits, foster them, find them new homes. I did that with guinea pigs as well. So that was kind of my beginnings of, I guess, the sanctuary. So I still have seven guinea pigs from that whole thing. And they've just, you know, they've kind of never were adopted out. So now they're just a permanent part of the sanctuary and the two bearded dragons as well. They just kind of became part of the sanctuary. Yes, I love to hear that. And that's those are animals that I think a lot of times um, can be a little overlooked. And I, I love to hear when there are sanctuaries that are also catering to some of those some of those small animal species, because uh, unfortunately, the the nature of those species is to get to get purchased on a whim in a in a pet store. Mm -hmm. And then it's what happens to them six months or a year, if it's that long later, when kind of the novelty of having this pet wears off yeah. for, for that child or family or whatever that may be. And um, literally just today, we had someone reach out to us and um, about a rabbit and a guinea pig. And it, it's trying to find a way to balance, um, balance still being able to provide for uh, the farmed animal species right. and, and some of those that we deal with, but still trying to, to provide assistance and things to the small animals because uh, they need just as much. And, and there's not necessarily uh, many resources out there for, for them from a sanctuary and rescue standpoint. Mm -hmm. No. And, you know, they're considered like the starter pets, which is so unfair because there's nothing starter about them. Like, No, especially guinea pigs. There's yeah, nothing yeah. starter about them. <laughs> and I mean, even, you know, they're bearded dragons, like they need yes, exactly. They, they, every, every species of animal is very different and they all have their own requirements and they need, they need to have their, all of their needs met in order to, you know, be happy. And I, there's no such thing as a starter pet, like maybe a rock, but like, yeah, it's, it's upsetting and, and it's just something, well, you know, it's just upsetting because we can't be spread so thin and you know we feel as though we need to help everyone so yes and I, I think we found your next fundraiser there you can you can sell starter pets and and just sell rocks <laughs> rocks, from, rocks from the troll house yes uh to like it, it like like uh what are they T troll house cookies you can have troll house rocks <laughs> <laughs> i like it um so I know you touched briefly on, on your experience kind of growing up with animals and, and running uh, your own dog grooming and, and boarding business and that. Um, however, farmed animals can be a whole different world than than your traditional companion animals. So prior to, to starting the sanctuary, did you have much experience with goats and mini pigs and chickens and ducks and, and some of those other species that calls the sanctuary home now? So growing up, um, we had chickens, ducks, the rabbits, um, horses. We did have a goat. Um, pigs are something that are that's new to me. But um, while I wasn't working, you know, during chemo, I that's when I really focused on learning as much as I could and getting as comfortable as possible without actually having a pig. 
before taking a pig in by doing like webinars. Um, Ross Mill Farm, they have free webinars. They take like donations for it, but they're amazing. And I just kind of read everything that I could um, about beardeds. I mean, not beardeds, about the, the, the potbelly pigs. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've kind of grown up in the lifestyle of taking care of animals, but not to the ex extent. Like, I look back now at, you know, my goat who was dehorned and was neutered, like, too, you know, way too early, ended up having stones. And, you know, the chickens were kind of just there. Like, you know, we took care of them, but, you know, they were just, you know, quote unquote chickens that, you know, they weren't, we didn't consider them, you know, equal to dogs. It was, you know, so, but yeah, so I, I've always kind of been surrounded by animals. It's just, you know, kind of the nature of the beast, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, so each of us, you know, that, that run a sanctuary and, and I know you kind of following others know that, that we all have our own amazing story and, and although we all have kind of the same mission about what we're doing, we all go about it a little differently. Is there one thing that you would say kind of sets the Troll House Animal Sanctuary apart from others or maybe is a, a little different with your all sanctuary? Um, you know, I, I don't really know. Um... I don't know. Um, because, you know, I kind of look up to a lot of other sanctuaries. So I think that I have incorporated bits and pieces of each of my favorites and, you know, the ones that I really look up to into the sanctuary. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's an important aspect, like you said, is is being able to take that that bits and pieces of, of what you love best of everybody and putting it together mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that it's just, it's small and I don't ever plan on, you know, becoming a gigantic sanctuary. Um, it would be wonderful if I had the finances for that, but it's just, you know, it's just me. And I think um, with it just being me, it's, more i think more people realize that it's a little bit more attainable to them seeing me be able to do it you know myself although you know i'm struggling <laughs> and it's a lot of work but i think it's maybe more inspiring coming from me i don't know i don't know oh definitely um can you walk us through just a just kind of a brief overview of of what a day in the life of Eileen is like at, at Troll House Animal Sanctuary. Oh God. Um, a day in the life of Eileen. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I usually get up about five, five thirty. Um, I have to stick the dogs out first so they can go potty. Uh, right now I have the two orphan goats, so I have to get them fed then I start feeding the dogs and making sure everybody inside are all fed and watered. And, you know, and sometime during that whole thing, I'm feeding myself and drinking coffee. Um, then I'll prepare the outside animals breakfast and get them fed, watered and cleaned. 
And then depending on if it's a work day or not, like I'll set up my grooming room. I'll actually shower (laughs) and make myself look like a human. And then um, the way that I run like my grooming business is I have a lot of space in between clients so that I can go outside and check on all the animals and make sure that the dogs are okay and that they're out and going potty and they're not, you know, that everything's okay. And then my next client will come. So it's kind of when I work, it's an all day thing. Um, my boarding and daycare is a lot easier because it's like, I only do a couple daycare dogs and a couple boarding dogs at a time. It's not like I have a big kennel or anything. Um, and like, I have a, a senior daycare dog that comes anywhere between three and five days a week, you know, Monday through Friday. And he's like 16. And, um, he's really easy because he just kind of meshes in with my dog. So they kind of that, they don't really add any additional strain on me. It's just, you know, they, they just kind of blend in with my dogs. Um, it's really when I'm grooming that kind of, you know, it makes the day a little bit more stressful, but still I'm working from home, so I can't complain. So I will groom. And then if I'm not grooming, then I don't have to clean up my grooming room. (laughs) and do that stuff, like all that laundry and stuff. And then I'll just kind of get the animals ready to be fed dinner, make sure that they're clean and get them in and settled for the night. And then I get to relax for a little bit. And then I probably pass out at about 10 and then start it all over again. And then I do laundry and cleaning and all that stuff in between there too. Yes. Just not enough, never enough hours on the day. Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, so what does the future, I know you've talked about this some in some of the other questions, what does the future look like for the Troll House Animal Sanctuary? Um, so right now I'm kind of focusing on just really getting, um, each of their enclosures and their, you know, their houses and the fencing and everything really the way that I want it. Um, I've, put a hold on taking in any more animals at least till the fall um, until I get everything the way that I want it here. Um, I'm hoping to maybe one day have a volunteer or two um, just to kind of help me out a little bit, but um, I just want this place to be able to provide each animal with, you know, what it, what it needs, what they need, and just give them the life that they deserve. And that's about it. Um, I kind of like went from zero to like a hundred and we took in like a lot of animals. So now I'm just slowing it down and I want to make sure everything is just right before we, you know, open our doors again. Yes. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a, a great piece of advice because when you, when you first start into this world, um, I think you're, you're almost blind beforehand as to the demand that is out there. Um, as far as the number of animals that are in need at, at times yeah, and yeah. the moment you kind of open up it, you can quickly become overwhelmed and, and flooded with, um, with need. And I, I love love to hear that you were kind of slowing down and saying, let's make sure that, that everything is taken care of, that everything is right, that, right. 
that well, we're it's doing. Well, it's not fair for the animals that are here already, you know, yeah. to be putting on more pressure, you know, on me financially. Um, but, you know, it's taking away my time from them, adding, you know, more and more. And, but yeah, like I am, like I kind of knew that I wanted to focus on, you know, pigs and chickens because I really feel like they're the ones that need the most sanctuary. But like, just like last week or the week before, I turned away six pop alley pigs, like nine chickens, a senior dog, a senior cat. Like, it was just crazy. And it's it's hard to not feel guilty about turning them away because I'm the type of person that will worry about these dogs that or these animals, you know, that I was contacted about. And, you know, honestly, it's it's not my, it's their responsibility to take care of them. So, but now I'm worrying about these animals, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I worry about where they, you know, what happened to them? Where did they go? And, and it's just, I didn't, didn't really realize that that was going to be part of the sanctuary, like how I would feel turning animals away. And it's really, really tough. But, you know, like I said earlier, I cannot become overrun and, like, I really think that another reason why that place that I rescued Lil Kim from was more memorable was because I saw how easy it could, it would be to become overrun. Like, if you're not running something properly, like, if you're not getting the animals fixed, they can start breeding with each other. And, and all of a sudden you're swimming in, you know, a hundred animals and you're not being able to take care of them. So it's, it's really tough to say no, but you have to be responsible and um, dealing with that guilt sucks, but it's just something that's just part of it. Part of, you know, being a sanctuary, even being in any type of rescue, like saying no is horrible. It's, it hurts. Yes. A hundred percent. I tell um, people all the time that, that, that truly is probably the, hardest thing that you ever have to do is to, to say no, um, or to say we can't, or just to, because like you said, then it, it becomes, you're so, uh, it's so ingrained in you to help that when you can't, you're kind of overwhelmed by that. Well, if, if I couldn't, the, if not you, then who, mm-hmm. um, and, and what, what has happened to that animal now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about the Trollhouse Animal Sanctuary or follow you online, what is the best way for them to stay up to date with everything that is going on? I am mostly active on Instagram. Um, We do have a Facebook, but it's automatically, it's connected to my Instagram. So basically if you're following Facebook, it's like, the same thing that's going on on Instagram. Um, I also have a Patreon set up. Um, I only post like behind the scenes stuff there, stuff that I won't post like ever publicly for people that are on there. And I think we have like 19 patrons. Um, but that's probably the best. Like if you really want to like get to know us, that would be the best way. And it would also help us financially. Um, I have a website, but I'm still working on it. That's, it's taking me a while. 
Yes, and we can we can put links to um, all of those ways, the social media pages and all of that in the show notes so that anyone that wants to reach out to you uh, or follow you uh, those ways can. Thank you. Um, Thank and you, you kind of led right into some of the next question was uh, obviously both the rescue world and, and then the sanctuary world is very expensive. So do you all accept donations? Yes. Um, so right now we're nonprofit, but I'm still waiting for my 501c3 status. Um, but yes, we do take donations and everything goes directly to the animals. Um, we have a GoFundMe set up, Patreon, um, Venmo, uh, Amazon wishlist is great. Um, and then once I get the 501c3, everybody's donations will be tax deductible. So that's cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Well, speaking of, of donations and fundraisers, one other thing that I saw that I had to bring up was the really cool handbags that you sell on your website that are made from used feed bags. Where did, where did that idea come from? Do you make the bags yourself? I just, I love that. What a, what a phenomenal way to, to recycle and, and be able to make you all a little, a little money for the animals in the, in the process. So I cannot take any claim in that. Um, that was actually one of my longtime grooming clients, um, idea, and she's actually a patron member, um, she's been a supporter of the sanctuary from the very beginning. Um, she's four little Yorkies that I groom once a month. Um, so a couple grooms ago, she was like, do you have any extra feed bags? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you mind if I take them and try and make these cute reusable bags out of them? And I was like, sure. That's, you know, that's a really good idea because otherwise they just, you know, they go in the trash. Like I'll fill them with trash and then they go in the trash. Oh yeah. Let's, Let's see. And so she took a bunch of bags and she brought them back the next groom and they're just adorable. Like I'm having a hard time selling them. I want to keep them all. But um, yeah, so now every time she comes and I groom the dogs, I hand off some new bags and she hands off, you know, the bags that she's made. And she does this, you know, all out of the goodness of her heart. Like she doesn't charge me. She, you know, she's just volunteering her time doing this. And it takes her like, I think 15 minutes per bag. And um, like, she has to clean them all out. Like I asked, you know, I told her I would clean them for her, you know, to help her out. But she was like, no. So it's a process taking the bags apart and then sewing them back together and making them. And she does it for us for free just to, to help out. But yeah, they're super cool. And it is a really, really awesome idea. I wish I could say that that was my idea, but it's not. <laughs> um, but, you know, we go through so many feedbacks, so it's a really cool way to, like you said, recycle. And New Jersey just put a ban on one-time use plastic, so like plastic shopping bags and all. So um, now is the time to get your troll bag, troll, you know, troll house bags, um, especially if you live in New Jersey. Yes, definitely. And uh, the other thing that I want to talk about as far as fundraisers are the uh, the Trollhouse Sanctuary t-shirts that I, I feel like suddenly have popped up all over Instagram. 
Um, and, and I know we've seen them on some of your stories and that they are, they are incredibly, uh, adorable shirts. And, uh, I know I saw on, on the bonfire page just a bit ago that people have two more weeks to, to purchase before the next order ships. What can you tell us about, uh, that design that's on the shirt? And, uh, can you tell them, do you have an easy way for them to find, uh, to find the link for the shirts? Um, so Bonfire did all of that for me. Um, I sent them some pictures of our residents. So that's actually the black piglet on there is Black Betty. And then the spotted piglet, that is Buzz. The white hen is Angel. And the red hen is Cherry. So it's actually residents here on that t-shirt. And they kind of whipped it together and they made two different designs. And I picked that one because it's, it's just adorable. Um, so the actual um, like campaign ended. But I feel like even though it's over, when someone like randomly buys a t-shirt, it starts the campaign up again. Like, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. So I think someone just purchased a t-shirt and then it restarted the whole campaign up which is really cool. But um, if you go to our Instagram page, I have our link tree in the bio and it is the first link um, on the link tree. It takes you right directly to Bonfire's page and there is the t-shirt, um, a hoodie, a Razorback tank top, and then there's kids t-shirts as well. Yes, and they are incredibly cute. So go go check them out. Um, we'll try to put a link a link to them as well in the in the show notes. And lastly, you have been through so much in the last four years since the moment you first purchased that property and began this adventure uh, known as a sanctuary life that we've talked about so much um, on this episode. Looking back, what is the biggest thing that you've taken away from from this entire experience so far oh, um I don't know um I think that I've always been like really stubborn and impatient and uh bullheaded so like if things didn't go my way it was like just devastating and this whole experience you know, with the house, when I, when I bought the house, I thought that it wasn't going to need that much work and, and here it needed to be completely gutted. And it cost three times the amount of money that I thought it was going to take to, you know, get it livable. And then, you know, every step of the way seemed to have, every step of the way in my life seems to have like some kind of disastrous event. It's just, me and in the past like I would be like well you know why why is this happening to me woe is me and now after you know beating cancer um you know I have this second chance of life at life so I kind of look at life now you know like that saying um when life gives you lemonade lemons make lemonade like that kind of thing or like I, I just roll with the punches now because life never goes the way you have it planned. Like, 
you know, the universe has other plans for you and you can either let it destroy you or you can just learn to roll with the punches and just figure out other ways. Like if you're determined enough and bullheaded enough um, to reach a specific goal or to get somewhere, you know, in life that you, that you want to be, no matter what gets thrown at you, you'll figure out a way. It's just, it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard work. Um, and it just, you just have to stay determined and, you know, fight tooth and nail to get where you want to be. Uh, I just want to thank you once again for being part of, of this week's episode. I hope that others find uh, your story just as incredibly inspiring as I did. Uh, and I want to wish you all the best and can't wait to follow uh, the story of, of all your wonderful residents there at, at the Troll House Animal Sanctuary. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. It was, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Life Podcast, presented by Butterfly Valley Rescue and Sanctuary. To find out more about our podcast and how you can be a part of it, visit our webpage at butterflyvalleyrescue.com forward slash podcast, or join us on social media at Sanctuary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please remember to download the episode and recommend us to family and friends. See you next time.